Can we bow down our heads to prayer as we share the word of the living God? Father, tonight we just want to bless you and exalt you and glorify you for who you are and for what you're doing. We are the sheep of your pasture, the scripture tells us. You have called us by your name, the Bible says. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. We have many convincing absolute scriptures that tells us how relevant we are in your presence. We're thanking you tonight because your word has opened our eyes that the fact that when we gather under one umbrella in unity, that your spirit is there. The Bible tells us in the Acts of the Apostles chapter 2, as they gathered the apostles in one accord in one place, that the heaven was open, and the Spirit of the Lord descended upon them like a cloven tongues of fire, and rested upon each of them, and they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Tonight we believe that this meeting is also of such of the days of Pentecost. That as we gather together tonight, that the heavens will be open, and that the heavens will be open, and the Spirit of the Lord will descend upon each of us, and that there will be a release of the power of God upon each of us tonight. That every burden in our hearts indeed tonight will be lifted, and that every yoke will be destroyed tonight as the power and the Spirit of God descend upon each of us tonight. Father, we order your word in our esteem in this place. We honor you. We honor your word. We glorify you. And we say you are our father. You are Abba, Father. Tonight, move in this place. Do something strategic in our lives. Lord, we ask that you will open our eyes of understanding. And that you will show us your ways. Thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We bless you. Jesus precious name we have prayed and the church said amen and the church said amen tonight I want us to know that that we've been such a people who have been endowed I believe with a great crescendo of God's grace. Uh, I'm going to explain myself. We've been endowed by God with a progressive grace. Grace is not static. Grace is progressive. The grace of God that we receive as God's people is a dynamic grace. The word grace, the word grace from the Greek means charis. Charis means an unmerited favor. Charis means a divine endowment. Charis means a loan that you are not expected to pay back. That's what grace means in the Greek. And tonight, I believe each of us have been given by God a crescendo of grace. We started with God somewhere, but where we are today is different from where we started with God. That is the power of grace in those who believe in him. I don't know what your situation or your circumstance is tonight, but I believe that the grace of God has left something in your life that you may not even be aware of it, but has made you a different person entirely. 
You know one of the things that the grace of God has done? The grace of God has given us a hope that no one can give. The Bible says, if only in this world we have hope, we are among all men, the most miserable. But our hope is not here. My faith is built on nothing less but the blood of Jesus and his righteousness. Oh yes, my faith is built on nothing less but on Jesus' righteousness. Hallelujah. I believe that tonight we need to have this as a full assurance as we're about to share together. I'm going to be sharing with us tonight the second part of the message that we began a couple of weeks ago on steering up the gift of God. But I've tacked tonight's message on the hows and the wings of the gifts of God. I'm going to say it again. The hows, H-O-W. The hows and the wings, W-H-E-N-S. The hows and the wings of the gift of God. I hope I'm making a sense that way. The hows and the wings of the gifts of God. We began a couple of weeks ago sharing together on the fact that God has endowed everyone in the kingdom with grace, with gifts. Tonight, my job is to challenge each of us that it is time for us to flourish. And to become fruitful with the divine deposit that God has given to us. It is time for us to be what? To flourish and to become fruitful with the divine deposit of God in our lives. God has deposited so much in our lives. That's why I began by talking about grace. Grace means the divine deposit. Again tonight, the Lord wants us to know that we have been given so much. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. If God has given me much, then what God wants us to do tonight, it is time to produce. Ever say produce. It is time to be fruitful. It's time to become a partakers. It's time to become a contributors to the work of God in the kingdom. Many of our prayers that we've been praying to God will only be become answered when we become answers to other people's problems. I'm going to say it again. The key to certain manifestations in our lives is when we become answers to other people's problems. In the life of Joseph, many of us remember that wonderful man of, of God who at the age of 17 received a revelation from God that he was going to be used of God to bring salvation, redemption to his family. He saw the revelation about his father, his mother, the entire siblings. It was an awesome but scary revelation. When he mentioned it to the old family, his father said, don't say it no more. That's too big for your mouth. Young boy, big dreams, big mouth. Stop talking about it. Don't forget that the father loved him. He was the pet of the father. The father showed him a coat of many colors. Showing the entire family, I love this boy and I'm showing off about him. But beyond that, there was somebody, there was another father who loved him. He's called the Heavenly Father. A father which 
no man's eyes could see. A father who watches you when you go through the, div the difficult times, the thick and the things of life. A father who watch the circumstances of your life. A, a father who guides and instructs you. A father who has a program and a plan for you that is far beyond the five earthly father. Because I believe the program and the, and, the, and the purpose of Joseph's father will have ended when Joseph wanted to be killed. But you know there's a father who will protect you even in the midst of most difficult circumstances of life. That father was watching over Joseph. I love this songwriter that says, His eyes are on the sparrow. And he watches over me. His eyes are on the sparrow. I believe over every one of us today, the eyes of God is upon the sparrows. I don't know what you're going through, but remember his eyes are on the sparrow. When we have this at the back of our mind, it provides the solitude for us. It provides the pillar of rest for us. Because now I can relax and say, I know that I have a father who cares for me. I have a father who is able and capable of caring and handling the issues of my life. Now Joseph left his father's house. I want to show to us tonight, this man of God had something. Beyond the coat of many colors. He had a dream. Not only a dream. He had gifts from God. One of the greatest gifts that Joseph had was the ability to see in the spirit. And that was what identified him from, from the entire family. Separated, distinguished from the entire family. He saw several visions. This same gift was not abandoned. Joseph kept to what was his strength. Let me preach to us tonight that you need to keep to what God has given to you. That is where your future lies. I don't know what it is, but God has given you something that will provide you a future that no one can provide. That no education can provide. That no parents can provide. When the vicissitudes of life come, there is something that God has given to you that will take you beyond the circumstances of life. God gave him a gift. This man was in the house of Potiphar. There was an invitation to sin. The man said, no, I cannot sin now because I know there is something inside me that leaps every time I understand the mind of God. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God and against my master? And, and Joseph said, no, I cannot do it. Ran away. He was imprisoned and it was an unjust judgment. How many times when we feel we're in a nation where everything is by rights? Oh, it's my right to do this. But you know there are times God will allow your rights to be denied you because of the plan that he has for your life. Hallelujah. There are certain rights we think that we have. But God will allow that rights to be denied us. Because if he does not, his ultimate plan will not be accomplished. And you know before long we'll begin to think it is my ability, capacity, and the acumen, and the wit that has brought me to where I am. God always wants his people to know there is nothing that you possess that you can have without him. The Bible says everything that we have came from him. As a matter of fact, we came from him. We are the offsprings of God. We are the poema of God. We are the poem of God. We came out of him. And so tonight, Joseph saw himself. Was thrown into prison. Met two people. Who worked with the king. And then they had dreams. But don't forget that Joseph was a man who was gifted by God. Not only to have dreams, but to understand dreams and interpret it. I want to bring something out of this story. And this man 
met to these people who had a dream from God. Where they had a dream. I don't know where the dreams came from. But the dreams came. And they came to Joseph. But don't forget. It was Joseph's dream. That has become is actually the eel. It was Joseph's dream. That has become a trailer that led him into crisis in his life. It was Joseph's dream that made him an arch enemy of the entire family. It was Joseph's dream that had been responsible for everything you could call negative in his life. He saw a dream, he couldn't keep his mouth quiet. Sent out of his family, driven out like, like a sheep without a shepherd. And yet this young man. Still got himself in the prison. Instead of bemoaning his circumstance, instead of crying over the spit make, the Bible said they came and they said, We had a dream. You said, No problem. Tell me your dreams. I have the Spirit of God. I will interpret exactly to you what the Lord is saying to you. And he did. Exactly like Joseph said, it came to pass. One of them was executed, one was restored back to his position. After he was restored back, the man forgot Joseph for two years. You know why? God's time had not come. That's why I love my sister's testimony when God's time comes. How many times we want to jumpstart something that God is saying, leave it alone. Don't Touch it with a long pole. But within our imaginations, in our human minds, we feel like I can figure that out. I can do that. And I'm going to accomplish it myself. God said, go ahead. Do it. Do it. Do it your own way. But God wants us to wait on him. God has been responsible for certain blockages in our lives. Just to allow us to wait for the right time. This man was delayed for two years. After two years, the king of the land had a dream he could not understand. And there comes the young man whom dreams was interpreted by Joseph. And it was there when they were discussing the issue and they said, Ah, I remember this man we were together. He interpreted the dream for two of us. And he told me I was going to be restored. He told my friend that he was going to be executed. It was as he, as he said it. And the king said, Fetch him. Go look for him. If you read the story very well, Joseph was already overgrown with beards. He was looking ragged, tattered, and unkept. And they said, go clean him up. He cannot come before the king like this. They brought Joseph to the king. And Joseph said to the king, no problem. I will give unto the king the answer that the Lord will show me. He interpreted the dreams to the king and gave the king the conditions. In seven years, there will be famine. In seven years, there will be plenty. As a result of that gift, the king said, well, who else can we put in charge of this? But you, in whom the spirit of the Lord is, for you have so much discretion and you have so much grace. They put him in a position. That's a man whose gift he could have abandoned, whose gift he could have neglected, whose gift could have said, well, if at all God has given a gift and there is something God wants to do with this gift, why is this gift getting me in trouble? <laughs> why is the gift getting me in trouble some of us are here tonight God has given you certain grace in your life but you know instead of the grace bringing up to you it's bringing you into trouble and you're wondering why wait for God's time hallelujah God's dream has a way of bringing a man out of obscurity and bringing him before men before kings, the Bible says the gift of a man will make a room for him and bring him before great man. 
I believe God's gift, if it is of God, it will take a man out of obscurity. It will take a man out of every prison. It will take a man out of every form of deliberated circumstance and put a man where God has originally intended. God is a great God. God is a God of purpose. God is a God of objectivity. God is a God of plan. There is nothing impossible for God. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The Bible declares in the book of Jeremiah, is there anything too hard? For me, it's a question. It's a rhetoric question. Answer the question by yourself, by your experience with God. David. I'm just introducing what I'm going to say tonight. I want us to listen. The house and the wings of the gift of God. Let's take a look at a couple of things tonight. I believe that the greatest discovery is the discovery of our uniqueness. Hallelujah. The greatest discovery is the discovery of our uniqueness. We may look alike. We may speak the same language. We may have come from the same womb. But we are endowed differently by God. Did you hear what I just said? We may look alike. We may speak the same tongue. We may have come from the same home. But we are endowed uniquely. And we are endowed differently by God. I'd like you to go with me tonight to the book. Of 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want us, us to see what Paul the Apostle said to the young man called Timothy. This is where we started the other time. And I want us to quickly go back there. And take a look at what the scripture says here. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hand. Stir up the gifts of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. I want us to turn together with me again tonight to the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8. I'm going to read a very short story to us for us to understand why was this church coming from the man of God called a party apostle. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8. I'm going to begin my reading tonight from verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. I said receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them 
money. Saying, give me this power also. That anyone on whom I lands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Let me quickly go over this tonight. That we saw what Paul was sent to Timothy. Stare up the gift of God that was in you. Through the laying on of the hands. My hands. And here we saw a very similar circumstance. As we have read in the book of Acts of the Apostle. That in the same way the gift of God came upon a group of people. As Peter who was a servant of God came into the place to lay hands on them. The Bible says... And this man called Simon came around and said, Hey, can you please allow me? We remember Simon, that was a sorcerer. He joined the church and he thought, Well, the gift of God, I can offer money to receive the gift of God. Now I'm trying to bring something out tonight that I want us to see that what we have come to share tonight is something of value. Sometimes what you have, you do not value until somebody else tells you how much value has been placed on what you got. This man said, if this is how the spirit and the gift of God is given, let me offer you money. I don't know how much he was going to give, but let me offer you money and let them receive. Give me the same power so that I can lay hands on people and they can receive the gift of God in the same way that they receive as the apostles laid their hands on them. What am I saying tonight? This scripture is expanding and opening our eyes to see the value that has been placed upon the gift of God in a man's life. Sometimes what God has given to us, we do not appreciate the way we should until we begin to see how others perceive what you possess. Let me offer you money so that I can receive the gifts of God. Peter said, may your money perish with you. For you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. No, it is impossible. Now let me say this tonight. What God has given to us transcends the value of money. It's heavier, you know, more stronger. It's of more value than silver and gold. And this brings to mind Acts of the Apostle chapter 3 as Peter and John were going into the temple called, you know, the temple get called beautiful. As they were approaching the temple, they saw a man who was lame from his mother's womb asking for arms from everyone who came around. And this same man, when he saw Peter and John, asked for arms, the Bible says. And Peter and John said, look on us. Silver and gold we have none. But in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, arise and walk. Church, listen to me. Peter and John knew they had no money. But what they possessed was beyond money. There was no way this man could have purchased his healing, purchased his restoration with money. Money is good. Money answers all things the Bible says. But there's a limit to money. There's a limit to what money can do for us. There's a limit to what money can do in our lives. Where money stops, the gift of God begins. The gift of God will produce money and beyond money in our lives. The gift of God will produce the capacity to make money. The gift of God will produce the capacity to sustain it. The gift of God will produce the grace to live with it and enjoy all that God has given to you. 
the house and the ways. I know many of our mothers will be thinking, what gift do I have anymore? I'm old. That's not true. We're not too old to possess the gifts of God and to be used of God. Hallelujah. You know what I noticed? We're sharing this on Tuesday in the Bible study. There was a woman who was called Hannah in the book of Luke. The Bible says she's been widowed for about 80, how many years? For about 80 years. I'm going to read that scripture. The book of Luke I'm going to read right now. Chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 36. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. Do we see that? She was old. And had lived with her, with her husband seven years from her virginity. She was, she was only married for seven years. And this one was a widow of about 84 years. She was a widow for 84 years. We can have the age, the age together. She was married for seven years. She was widowed for 84 years. How old was she? How old was she? Let's say 91 years old probably. Because 84 plus 7 is going to give us probably. She was married for seven. For Well, that, she will even be more than that. Well, 91 years of marriage plus X. Because we did not know how old she was when she got married. 91 plus X. Because we did not know how old she was. But let's see what the Bible says about this woman. As old as she was. Let's see. This woman was a widow of about 84 years. Who did not depart from the temple. But served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant she gave thanks to the Lord. And spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. She was old. But you know what she did? She kept a gift intact. She fasted. She prayed. She served God in the temple. Everyone says, serve God. You can only serve God with what you have. She served God with she, what she had. She was old, but she served God. And many of, our, many, of our whole, many of our aged mothers have been serving God. They sweep. They clean. They encourage. That's how God has been using them to utilize their gift for God. I want to ask them tonight. If you look at them, they will ask you, I wish I'm 20 again. I wish I can get up and do something great for God, greater than what I ever did in my life. I wish and I wish I could do better than that. Is that not true? What am I saying tonight? God has given us so much grace. But you know what? There's a uniqueness in what God has given to us. God has made us unique in what he has given to us. And as each of us will begin to see God tonight, I want us to come into this understanding that one of the greatest things is for us to know that I'm unique. And the greatest trap I have seen in our generation and in our centuries is when people say, can we be like other nations? Do we remember Israel? Israel was a beloved of God. God chose Israel. God loved Israel. God made Israel a model on the earth. And one day Israel looked at, at, him, at herself and said, well, the other nations have kings. Why would God not give us a king? And Israel began to cry. Oh God, give us a king. That's what happens to us. God, give us a king. When we have, we do not see. It's what others have that we see. 
And we're asking, oh God, why is it that they have such and I don't have nothing? No, you have something. It's only that you have not taken time to investigate and observe what God has given to us. What you have, I don't have. What I have, you don't have. You know what makes the kingdom interesting? It is when I bring what I have and you bring what you have and we bring it together and Jesus is glorified. Hallelujah. Jesus is what? He's glorified. Uniqueness. And look at two people that came out of the same womb, Jacob and Esau. Two different brothers. They were twins, but gifted differently. One of them was a homely boy, like some of the boys that are homely. Their mom's pet. They just love to be home. And the other one was, was, a, was an outside guy. He loved to hunt. He would hunt for animal. And you know what? The dad loved him because he was always coming with food. But they were gifted differently. The same God who gave, who gave Jacob to that family gave Esau to that family. Now, we could have, many of them mismanaged their position, but God has gifted them differently. And I thank God that at the end of the day, God was glorified. Jacob became a man after God's heart. God loved him. Esau's destiny was restored at the end of the day. But the truth is, God gave to the same people different graces, different opportunities, different strength, and different giftings. But God used it all. I remember the Temptation of Eve. When Satan tempted her, she said, once you eat this fruit, you will be like God. Why do you want to be like God? Why? Do we remember the sentence made by Satan when he, when, against God when he was trying to raise a treason against God? He said, I will, I will arise and I will be above the heavens. I will be above the most high. Why do you want to be that? There is something that God has given to you. Be satisfied with what he has given to you. But again, I'm going to say more things about that. Find a uniqueness and begin to develop it. As we find a uniqueness, we will find fulfillment. I also noticed that there is honor and beauty in the area of the giftings of God in our lives. Let me give us an example. I know many of us will be wondering where did he get this example. There is a man called John Wesley. We, we probably have heard about him or read about him. John Wesley was used of God in the holiness move. He was the man who, who started, who God used tremendously. Uh, John Wesley in those days when he walked into a city several miles away from wherever he goes into a city, the people will begin to cry for their sins. He was so much anointed by God. The presence of God was upon John Wesley. The people began to cry for their sins and they wanted to give their lives to Christ. I remember the story in one of his books. As he entered into a particular industry, every of the machines stopped working. I don't know how it happened. I cannot explain to you, but the machines stopped working. All the workers were wondering what's going on here. But the presence of God overwhelmed the entire industry. They began to cry for their sins. But you know what? This man as anointed and powerful he was. Somebody was behind this man's success. His name was Father Nash. Each each time, Father, each time John Wesley had a crusade, Father Nash was under the podium for days and weeks. He would have gone ahead. He would go with his group and they would lay under the podium fasting and praying. They don't eat. And they would lay there for days. All they did was to pray that God would be glorified as John Wesley would speak. Nobody knew him. He was always under the tent. What am I saying tonight? Everyone has his own gift from God. 
Let me give us a typical example because of our mothers. Let me give us a typical example. I have seen this as a local boy. I understood that when you grow trees in the farm, there are certain trees that are, that are called, uh, I've forgotten the name they're called, but they can withstand the scorching of the sun. They, they're always standing erect. They're always standing to be seen. But there are other trees, we call them legumes. They survive under other trees. They blossom under other trees. They are not seen. They are not known. But they are at their best when they are under other, other trees. I don't know why I'm making sense to us. There are other trees that their best time, they, need, they, they, they go through what we call photosynthesis. They needed the sun. They needed that light to be able to survive and blossom. But there are other trees. They don't even need the sun. They just survive. They just survive. They just strive and blossom and bring out their best while they're under. Do you know what I noticed today? We never know who we are. Whatever God has given to you, if you are being called of God to be a cedar, to stand erect for all to see, stay there and be what God has made you to be. If God has called you to be a legume, stay on the, another one. Stay there and be what God has called you to be. Everyone must discover their gifts in God and remain faithful to Him because. Everyone has got a uniqueness in God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. I noticed that when God gives giftings to people, it is the same Lord. Who is the Lord over every gift that he has given to us? It's God who causes us to succeed in what he has given to us. I love scriptures, and I'm going to read this scripture, and I want us to follow me as I read this scripture. I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read now. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read 12 and 13. It says, For as a body is one, and as many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. By how many spirit? One spirit. Were baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. It is the same Lord working in different ways through different people. The Bible says we have been made to drink of one same spirit. We have been called into one kingdom under the leadership of one king. And the fellowship of one spirit. That's why I love when we share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Fellowship with one spirit. No other spirit. So God has given us uniqueness. But in that uniqueness, we must understand that whatever we possess, it is because God has given us one spirit. Who is the source of every gift that we possess. One goal we have in the kingdom Bring in the harvest. Hallelujah. Amen. One goal. One goal in the kingdom. One goal. There are no two goals. One same spirit. One Lord. One kingdom. One king. One church. One body. One body. One body. You know what I saw there? I noticed that there's only one goal for the kingdom. To bring many sons to glory. It doesn't matter what that God... I remember one of the times when the disciples of Jesus came to him and said, we saw a particular group of people, a man, who was casting out demons and doing miracles in your name. Jesus said, leave them alone. Leave him alone. One kingdom. One name. 
For there is no other name by which any man should be saved. And the name that's above every other name. There is no other name. One name. I also noticed that there are no left out in this kingdom. All of us have been endowed by God. You know why God has endowed all of us? It is because all of us will give account one day to him. All of us will. We will give account to him. Let me quickly go to the house. Then do we find the gift of God to flame? How do we find the gift of God to flame? First Corinthians, let's read together. First Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read a couple of verses here and I want us to follow me. How do we find the gift of God to flame? Number one, through the inspiration and obedience to the Holy Spirit. Let's see what the scripture says in verse 3, verse 4, verse 7. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. For no one can say that Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. There are diversities of gifts. But the same what? The same spirit. Now I'm bringing out the fact that the only way we can find the gift to God to flame in our life is by understanding that our inspiration comes from the Holy Spirit. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one to profit from all. For the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For the profit of how many? Of all. But it is by the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. It says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Holy Spirit. Now, what are the conditions that have been placed for us to become effective in the things that God has called us to be? Number one, we must experience the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, we all understand it takes the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But how? I want us to listen. One, we must experience the Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks in the book of John for the Spirit of God is with you and shall be in you. Shall be in you. I want us to note tonight that the Lord, that we have been born of the same Spirit. I'm going to read John chapter 1 for us. Let me read John chapter 1, verse 13. What does that scripture say? John chapter 1, verse 13. This is what it says. It says, I'm going to read from verse 12. The Bible says, For as many as received him, to them gave he part the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. We were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We have been born of the, of the will of God. So, we need to experience the Holy Spirit. And what do I mean by that? Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, except a man be born of the Spirit and of water, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. If we're going to be fruitful in the gift of God in our lives, we must experience the Holy Spirit. The only way the Holy Spirit comes inside a man is when we have accepted our sin, acknowledge who we are, and ask Jesus, come into my heart today, the Holy Spirit comes alongside. The Holy Spirit comes to stay. What does the Holy Spirit do when it comes inside a man? It comes to dwell with us. It comes to talk to us. It comes to instruct us. It comes to correct us. It comes to lead us. It comes to empower us. If we don't know him, we cannot enjoy his gifts. Number three, 
we must have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Today, one of the reasons why the church has been so impotent, nothing seems to be happening in our midst is because we have neglected the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is a sweet spirit. The Spirit of God desires fellowship. The Spirit of God wants his people to move closer to him. The Spirit of God desires that many will come and approach him. As we move closer to God and to his spirit, God will begin to work in our lives. I believe the limitation that we're having today in manifesting the gifts of God in our lives is a limitation of not having enough fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Let's spend time with him. Holy Spirit, I'm just here today to spend time with you. I'm just here this week to spend time with you. Holy Spirit, I'm just dedicating this day to you. I declare this day is Sabbath to the Lord. Where nothing matters to me, no phone calls, no distraction. All I want to do is to fellowship with you. You know what I noticed? When we continue consistently in that format, in no time, our spirit man will become awakened and quickened and active. Many believers have developed, you know, we've, we've become complacent in the things of the spirit. Why? Because we're not fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. We cannot grow stronger in the spirit. We cannot become effective believers if we don't develop a relationship, a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We will complain. We will argue. We will get into crisis because we have not understood the mind of the spirit. The Bible wants, wants us about this. The spirit of God has been given to us that we may profit through him. And the gifts of God in our lives will begin to blossom as we begin to spend time in fellowship with God and with his spirit. And this is one of the things I want us to say. How does this happen? All of which saw tonight is that the gift comes from one source. From where? From the Holy Spirit. If my brother has a gift, if I don't have a good relationship with him, I have no gift from him. Will you give me anything? The only condition for you to offer is because I'm in right frame of mind and I'm in the, on the same page with you like they say. We're agreeing and we're together and we'll fellowship together and you know what I need and you know what I'm prepared for. Now many times the Holy Spirit cannot trust us and trust us with things because the Holy Spirit does not have fellowship. It does not know us. Praise God forevermore. And I'm going to close tonight on what I call when the gifts blossom. One of the reasons why God has found it difficult working with his people is because when we are nothing, when we have nothing, we serve God. When God begins to promote us as his people, our hearts begin to wane. Let me tell us some of the, some of the perils of when the gift of God begins to blossom in our lives. Let me tell us some of the perils. I noticed that when men become valuable to God, then something gets into our head. Let me give us an example. I was reading the story about Saul recently. Do we believe that God called the man? God called Saul. The Bible says, I was trying to compare, the himself, uh, compare Saul with David. Saul was an handsome man. The Bible says he was a choice man. The Bible says he was shorter, taller than everyone in Israel. And Israel needed a king and God chose Saul. And Saul came. He was innocent. He was naive. He didn't want to be a king. He ran away when they wanted to anoint him. And when Samuel came, Samuel said, anointed him to be the king. The Bible said, after Samuel talked to him, as he turned back, God changed the heart of Saul. Changes that. I wrote in my Bible, Grace. 
His heart was changed. God gave him grace. His heart was changed. I don't know who he was before, but God changed his heart. It was on his way that he met the coming of the prophets and he began to prophesy. So much so, it became a proverb in the land. Everybody kept saying, as Saul also become a prophet? As Saul also become a prophet? It became a proverb in the land. Saul began to prophesy together with the prophets. That was what Saul was. But you know what happened? As God's hand and gift became elevated in Saul's life, he began to look at himself. And he lost sight of who the source of that gift was. You know what I noticed today? The reason why God has kept many of us, he has preserved us. Because I'm not sure many of us can handle God's gift well. And God wants us to know that in every situation, whatever he's using us to do, that the gift come from him. He's the source of the gift. The human tendency is to begin to look at ourselves. We are just talking about this yesterday. We always love worship. I mean, there was no human being love worship. We love worship. When we feel that we have something others don't possess, we think they should pay obedience to us. That's human flesh. But God wants us to know, if you know that I'm your Lord, give him the glory. Give me the glory. Whatever is going on in your life, give me the glory. I want to be Lord. I want to be, I want to be the all in all in your life. Whatever is going on, the wings, the gift begin to blossom. We've seen several examples in the scriptures. When God's grace is upon people, that is when they begin to misbehave. And God is saying tonight, I will stir up that gift. But remember, I am the source of that gift. I will use you to accomplish my purpose. But remember, I am the source of that gift. I want to be glorified. I want to be enthroned. I want to be exalted. In your life, in every circumstance, I want to be exalted. Can we rise up to pray tonight? The house, the wings of the gift of God. I believe when in the time that God wants us to know there is nothing he cannot do with our lives. The Bible says, neglect not the gifts of God. First Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says, desire and covet the best gift. So God wants us to covet his gift. Don't forget, it is a gift of God. It cannot be purchased with money. It cannot be messed around with. It must be to serve him and to bless him. All the days of our lives. Can we just say to the Lord and the Lord, here I am. We just studied tonight about two men. One call, but different ending. David and Saul. They were called differently, but they ended differently. They were called with the same call, but they ended differently. Called to be king over his people. May the Lord help us to manage his gift well. May the Lord help us to manage his grace well. May the Lord help us to manage the opportunities he has given to us well. May the Lord work in our lives today. That we become a good example in our generation. Let's just hold our hands to the Lord and say, Lord, this is my heart. Help me, my Father. Help me to develop what you've given to me. You know what I noticed? One day we're going to give account to God. We're going to give account to him. How did you spend your life? What did you do with the gift that I gave to you? How did you spend your life? What did you do with that gift? Many of us have been so complacent, lazy about the things of God. We cannot afford to be lazy. We cannot afford to be complacent. Say, Lord, this is my heart. This is my heart, oh God. Lord, this is my heart. This is my heart, oh God. 
this is my heart. Touch me tonight. Do something new in my life tonight, Lord. Touch me. Touch me in a very personal way. Touch me, Lord. Do something with my life tonight. Let your gift begin to flourish in my life, oh God. Help me to become fruitful. Become fruitful. Become fruitful. Become fruitful. We just discussed another age is not a limitation to what God can do. If God used Anna to serve him in the temple, many of us, even though in our old age, we can become intercessors for God. We can hold on the ministry and say, Lord, I'm going to pray until you bless them. We can say to a family, until you bless that family, Lord, I'm not going to stop praying. Yes, Lord, use me. Yes, Lord, use the gift that you have given to me to impart my generation. Lord, work in my life today. Oh, God, let me not come to this world and live the same way that I came. Let your glory begin to descend upon my life today. Make me fruitful. Make me useful. Make me useful. Lord, work in me. Lord, work in me. Transform my heart and my life today. Lord, I have complained enough. I've been asking you too many questions. Lord, use me like Joseph. Let me forget my trouble. Let me reach out to somebody in trouble. Let me help them out. Who knows? In helping others, your glory will be revealed in my life. Who knows? In helping others, your power will be revealed in my life. Who knows? As I begin to help them, there will be a free flow of the grace and the power of God from heaven over my life. Who knows? Who knows? In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I want us to close our eyes tonight. I've been talking about a gift to God. I believe that the Spirit of God is here tonight. Some of the things I'm saying will be more meaningful to us in the days to come. I want us to lay hands on ourselves. I know a lot of us have been mentioned that we're sick. I want us to lay hands on ourselves tonight if we're sick. If we're feeling that we're sick, in our system, the gift of God is here to touch us tonight. God wants to touch us. Let's lift our hands and put it on our body. And say, Lord, you're my healer. I am the Lord. Thy healer. I am the Lord. I am the Lord, I am the Lord, your healer. You sent your word, you sent your word, and you healed my disease. You are the Lord, I am your healer, your healer. I am the Lord, I am the Lord, the healer. I am, I am the Lord, your healer. You sent your word, and you hear my disease. I am the Lord, your healer. For the last time, let's sing that song to the Lord. Just open to the Lord, welcome. That it will touch us in a very personal way tonight. That it will do something unique and different in our lives tonight. I am the Lord, I heal thee. Hallelujah to Jesus. Let's sing to the Lord. I am the Lord. I heal I am the Lord. I heal 
You sent your word and you healed this disease. I am the Lord. You are the Lord. My Let's close our eyes together as we give me the attitude of worship tonight as we pray. You are the Lord who is, you are the Lord who destroys yoke. Tonight in the name that's above every other name. The Bible says in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things on earth, and of things under the earth. Lord, we've gathered together tonight to proclaim your name, to lift you high above the heavens. Therefore, tonight, it's a time for you to move in the midst of your people. Lord, you know the deepest need of our lives. Particularly as we came tonight to say, Lord, heal. Lord, you're my Jehovah. Heal. Lord, you're my Lord. Heal. Lord, you're my God. Heal. 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 Tonight, we're proclaiming this place that every yoke we issue a notice for you tonight. Tonight is the this last night we will ever see you again. We say like the like the history for the Egyptians that we have seen today, we shall see them no more forever. You are an enemy of God, you are an enemy of God's people. Tonight, by whatever name you call, we command in the name of Jesus that every yoke be destroyed tonight, that every burden be lifted in the name of Jesus. We bind you, spirit of hell, you spirit of affliction, you spirit of infirmity. You have no place in the lives of God's people. We bind you, we cast you out tonight in the name of Jesus. We proclaim healing tonight. Thank you, Father, tonight. We give you praise. We honor your name because you're faithful. We give you praise tonight. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. For you, the Lord. We have come to elevate your gift in this place. The Bible says you receive gifts in the book of Psalm 68, but you gave gifts unto men in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. You gave gifts. You gave gifts. Part of your gift tonight is the gift of healings. Lord, I believe that everyone in this place has been touched by your spirit tonight. Lord, I know that there is a miracle going on in this place already. Lord, I believe that the healing has begun already. Some of us are leaving this place tonight lighter than we came. The power of God in this, this, this place tonight, walking in the lives of God's people tonight. Lord, I believe that your spirit is moving already, working out divine healing in the lives of everyone in this place. For of every yoke has been destroyed. Who art thou, O mountain, before Zerubbabel? Before thou shalt surely become a plain. Every mountain in the name of Jesus. The Bible said, Thou shalt say to this mountain, Be thou removed. And if thou do not doubt in thy heart, thou shalt have what thou who you have said. Tonight we do not have doubt in our heart, for the power of doubt has been destroyed, for the power of fear has been, has been demolished, and we receive by faith healing for everyone in this place. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. In Jesus' precious name.